Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. You've probably heard about it already, but Francis today graced the world with yet another lengthy interview, this time with the Associated Press. Funny, because just the other day, on January 20th, he told members of an audience about the importance of cultivating silence. Oh, well. But don't worry, we won't cover the interview here. Everybody else is already talking about it. Instead, let's go through some other news items. There's been so much news again that picking just a few things and not covering the rest is kind of difficult. But here we go. You may have heard about a certain brother Alexis Bugnolo, who blogs at fromrome.info. He is an American who lives in Rome as a Franciscan friar. He's not officially recognized by the Novus Ordo Authority as a real Franciscan brother, but he is convinced that he is one. He's been around as a commentator and writer of theological articles for, I think, at least 20 years. But in recent times, he's become rather odd and now pretty much lives in his own world. Not simply because he's been preaching for the last few years that Benedict XVI didn't validly resign the papacy and therefore remained pope until his death. There's a number of people who believe that, and although they're clearly wrong, holding that belief doesn't make them weird or unhinged. Just wrong. But Bugnolo seems to have lost common sense. For example, you may recall that back in 2020, Benedict XVI left the Vatican briefly to travel to Germany to assist his dying brother. Well, Bugnolo claimed to have inside information on that, saying that according to his sources, it had been confirmed that the so-called Pope Emeritus was being driven from the Vatican and placed in exile because Francis could no longer tolerate having the supposed true pope around him. Well, that narrative blew up in his face when, after a few days, Ratzinger simply headed back to the Vatican, where he stayed until his death last month. It was an odd sort of narrative Bugnolo was offering to his readership, especially because a year prior, he was telling the world that Benedict XVI was a prisoner in the Vatican. So you see how this works. When Ratzinger is in the Vatican, he's being imprisoned. When he leaves the Vatican, he's being exiled. Clearly, that's the kind of blog you want to follow. In any case, while Benedict was traveling to Germany in 2020, Bugnolo feared for Ratzinger's life, and so he began raising funds on his blog, and I'm not making this up. He tried to raise a million dollars to establish a security firm in Germany to provide Ratzinger with sufficient security personnel. I've got that linked in the show notes. So, why am I bringing this up? Because this same Alexis Bugnolo is currently getting a conclave underway to elect Benedict's successor. It's scheduled to begin January 30th and is being held at a conference room of one of the airport hotels in Rome. Now, I don't know how many Roman residents Bugnolo expects, but I would say there will be at least 
four or five. You can't make the stuff up. Now, I don't know precisely who or what gave him the authority to call a conclave, whose result will be binding on everybody's conscience, you know, as opposed to a mere privately authorized get-together where people get to play electing a pope. But maybe he's got some inside information on that as well. For the last few weeks, Bugnolo has been saying that it is absolutely certain that there will be a new pope by early February. On January 3rd, he said on his blog that it would be within 30 days no matter what. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me make a careful prediction here. Before long, this fake conclave will elect Alexis Bonyolo, and he will take the name Benedict Seventeenth. And that'll be just what this world needs, yet another false pope in Rome. In other news, the Vatican's dicastery for promoting interreligious dialogue is currently hosting a conference in Rome on the importance of women building a culture of interreligious encounter. On January 24th, they released a statement in which they claimed that all religious traditions and spiritualities are not just to be welcomed and respected, but that they are equal. Quote, the event, on the one hand, aims to listen to interreligious initiatives from different contexts and, on the other, to develop a global network of religious traditions and spiritualities which, through the promotion of a culture of encounter as well as of their own dignity and equality, can work together in solidarity for a growing rehumanization of society through friendship dialogue and cooperation unquote got that hey you may have totally forgotten about this but in 2023 it's time again for world youth day yep that's something invented by john paul ii um i think in 1984 or 85 and it's been termed the Catholic Woodstock by the secular press for a reason. As was to be expected, Francis recorded a video message for the poor souls attending this year's World Youth Day in Lisbon. The gist of that profound message was, Say no to walls, say yes to horizons. Here's an excerpt. Quote, You young people... There are already 400,000 of you registered, are thirsty for the horizon. At this meeting, during this World Youth Day, learn to always look towards the horizon, to always look beyond. Don't put up a wall in front of your life. Walls close you in. The horizon makes you grow. Always look at the horizon with your eyes, but look above all with your heart. Open your heart to other cultures, to other boys, to other girls who are also at this World Youth Day. Get ready for this, to open horizons, to open your hearts. And thank you for having already, already registered so far in advance. Let's hope others will follow your example. May God bless you. May the Virgin take care of you. 
Pray for me, for I pray for you. And don't forget, no to walls, yes to horizons. Unquote. Just wait till someone tells him that horizons are really boundaries that close you in and limit you. They limit your vision. And limitation, as Francis himself tells us in his 2013 exhortation Evangelii Gaudium, paragraph 222, limitation is a wall set before us. So I'd say be careful, kids. By opening yourselves to horizons, you may ultimately be saying yes to walls. Boy, Catholicism sure used to be a lot simpler, didn't it? All right, changing gears a bit, let's turn to The Remnant. An article by Robert Morrison was just posted on January 23rd, and it's called The Hermeneutic of Correction and Rejection, Taking Vatican II Away from the Heretics. In that piece, the author basically says that we need to give a Catholic meaning to what Vatican II says and reject any heretical meaning. Well, that's a new one, huh? Yeah, he gives some concrete examples, too, which amount to basically repeating the pre-Vatican II teaching of the Church while all but ignoring the troublesome passages of Vatican II, so that in the end, the Council is basically drowned out by the traditional catechism. In other words, Vatican II can't be saying, for example, that Protestants are part of the mystical body of Christ because the Church before Vatican II taught otherwise. So, whatever Vatican II might be saying there, it can't mean that. Morrison concludes by saying, quote, Perhaps a holy pope will one day completely reject Vatican II, but until that happens, we should do all we can to render it worthless to our enemies, unquote. Yeah, no doubt that is finally going to defeat the modernists in Rome, right? A bunch of trads giving lectures, making videos, and writing books about what Vatican II should mean, or should say. That is totally going to neutralize the last 60 years of the post-conciliar magisterium, which, hello, has provided the only authoritative interpretation of the council. You know, sometimes you ask yourself if the remnant is just desperately trying to fill its pages with something, anything, as long as it's not Sedevacantism. By the way, I find it interesting that the semi-traditionalists, the, the recognize and resistors, who believe there is a pope and his name is Francis, how they love to talk about that future holy pope who will solve everything, as if the Catholic Church were dependent on a pope being holy to be safeguarded from error and heresy. Anyone who thinks that does not know or understand what the Church has traditionally taught about God's assistance to the papacy. The miracle of that assistance consists precisely in the fact that no matter how rotten of a sinner, how immoral of a scoundrel a pope may personally be, if he is a true pope, then he can never lead the church astray. Otherwise, you'd be saying 
that the church is safeguarded not by Christ at all, but by the personal holiness of each individual vicar of Christ. It would mean that the personal sins of a pope could render the church incapable of fulfilling her divine mission and make her into a tool of the devil. It would mean that a pope's sinfulness could vitiate the reason for which our Lord established the church in the first place. But then the church would not be the ark of salvation at all, but would sometimes be helpful to salvation and at other times be a danger to our salvation, depending on how holy of a man the current pope happens to be. And if you were born with a bunch of miscreants successively teaching and governing the church, too bad. And so we see once again that although there is clearly a lot of mystery here regarding what has happened to the Catholic Church since the death of Pope Pius XII, the idea that Francis is a true pope does not save anything. In fact, it destroys the faith and makes a mockery of the divine assistance for the papacy. You have a choice to make. Either you deny that Francis is Pope, or you deny the papacy. Only one of these is heresy. Guess which one? Tratcast Express is a production of Novus Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novusordowatch.org slash donate.